Welcome back to the Hot Mess to Awesomeness podcast, a show all about inspiring smart, busy women to put their happiness at the top of their to-do list. Join your host and life coach, Dion Thompson, as she chats with amazing women who have figured out how to make their happiness a priority, and more importantly, what it's really like to go from hot mess to awesomeness. And now, on with the show. to the Hot Mess to Awesomeness podcast. I am your host and life coach, Dion Thompson. And today, today is a special episode. So today I am being interviewed by my fantastic longtime friend, spiritual guide and personal coach, Leanne Cannell. Um, I, I have been kind of looking forward to this day to be able to be on the other side of the table. So thank you, Leanne, for joining me and for um giving me this opportunity to share my story. <laughs> Wonderful. Yes. When you asked me to do this, my first inclination was, oh, fuck no. Um, <laughs> just because I, I felt, I felt this extreme responsibility to be able to um, help to have you represent yourself in like this beautiful, authentic way. And I, I, I know that when you and I are us, that's a completely different thing. There's no pressure. There's no nothing. And today it's like, oh, I kind of sort of have to be professional and it's uh, <laughs> a little bit and, uh, and I'm grateful to be here. And thank you so much because, because yes, sharing your story is, is very important and wonderful. And I am so blessed to have had you in my world for 30 plus years. Yeah, <laughs> listeners, she has been my rock for past, present, and future. Like to, to know that she is there in my corner, has my back, she's my person, has been, um, fuck, so helpful for so long and we've been through so many things together ups and downs and beautiful moments and shitty shitty <laughs> moments and and it's just um I'm just so honored that we have continued along this path parallel and just been able to stay in each other's lives and stay in each other's worlds and as we've both grown been able to you know when the other one needs a little bit of a pull or a push we've been there for each other and it's just been really really a beautiful part of my life so thank you and and one of the other things that I want people to know as well is as a coach and as a person she has this amazing ability to just be able to zero in and get exactly um, where the person needs her the most. Like she just gets it and you can be yourself with pure um, safety. Like, you know, she's got you heart, mind and body and it's just, it's just this absolutely beautiful thing. So, so Dion, please <laughs> tell us. <laughs> okay, no, wait, I just have to have, I'm gonna have a moment here. Um, oh, thank okay. You. That was, I'm like, I, I haven't even spoken anything yet. I'm going to cry. It's a thing. <sighs> Thank you. So sorry. I just wanted to, um, to acknowledge that I, that means a lot. So thank you very much. You're welcome. <laughs> so, um, now I personally know about your journey and, and how you decided to turn from a hot mess to the awesome person that you are um, while still knowing that there are going to be hot mess moments and that you have the ability to pull yourself out of those. Um, so, 
so what inspired you to be on this path? What inspired you to move from being that hot mess to the awesomeness that you are? Um, it's interesting. Inspired is in, in, it, 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 maybe not the word I would use because it felt more like thrust into. Um, you know, for most of my early years, I, I would not have been able, I did not acknowledge the hot messness. I had no idea how stuck I was. I, I had no concept that the voice I heard in my head was my inner critic, not me. And I, I didn't question mm. and I, I didn't have the battle. I didn't have the, oh, I don't want to hear that bad stuff. And it was just, that was just what there was. Um, and it, as a result, I created these, these strategies. I don't want to say coping strategies, but these ways of being that um, allowed me to like keep pushing through. And I think, well, I know that, you know, um, like my mantra was always power through, pull your head out of your ass. That, that's how I just went through life. So when things got seemed like, you know, they weren't working, we'll just fucking power through and, and just get towards that thing you're supposed to be doing that you should be doing. And it's interesting that you had commented on this, this capacity or gift, I would, I would call it now that I have to be able to, to zero in on something for that I see or feel within someone that I'm speaking with and be able to highlight the path ahead of them. Um, I really, I feel so blessed to be able to do that. And in my early years, it was the curse of all curses. Um, so I can, mm. at the time, not knowing what it was, not having real a label for it. I was a bit of a problem solver. Um, I was a leader. I was the one who took charge of everything. I always figured out how to do things. I always knew what the next step was. Um, and because I didn't understand what it was, I didn't feel um, empowered by it. I often felt like I had to help people so that I could feel valid, validated, um, appreciated, loved. And I was like, well, I know how to solve this problem. And sometimes I would solve problems that nobody was asking me about. Um, and so then I was labeled very early on as someone who never shuts up because I was like, oh, you know what I see? Like, I think we should do this. And then what if we did this and we can go and do this. And so as a creative thinker, um, and that was really, it. unfortunately, all of that energy was really stifled. Like nobody wants to hear you. Nobody wants to know what you're saying. Nobody's gonna listen. Nobody's gonna follow through because nobody was inviting in my opinion. And what I've learned about myself now is that's a really important starting point that someone needs to be open to receive whatever it is that I'm feeling or seeing so that they can do something with it. And it's not like I'm walking around clairvoyant and seeing the paths in front of everybody, um, but I've been able to fine tune that um, over the years. And so in those early years, um, because I felt like what I had to give wasn't received, I then was like, well, what is it that you want? So what, mm -hmm. like, what do you want for me and how, and I'll do it. And so I became this doer. Um, and uh, so I don't, if you, if anyone knows the book, Who Moved My Cheese, I think it's by Spencer Johnson. Um, there's a, a character in the book um, called Scurry and Scurry is the one that just, you give them a task and they'll just freaking go and they'll go and they'll go and they'll go until they accomplish the task because that's what was in front of them. And they come back and go, okay, I did it. Now what, what do I do? That was, uh, that was me. Not only was it me, like I had a boss who that's what she used to call me. 
and was like, I could give you anything. You just do it. You just go out and, and do it. And then I come back with like that. Yeah. Are you happy? Is everybody, everybody good? Am I, did I do the right thing? And, um, and I lived decades of my life like that. Um, and not to say there wasn't a lot of great things. I was able to accomplish a lot of amazing things. I have beautiful friendships and, and, um, and, and brought in a lot of greatness into my life, but I never felt like I owned it or that I was, um, I, I felt like it always needed controlling and always needed attention and that it, I couldn't just surrender to this lovely life that I have. And I couldn't, I definitely didn't trust what was in front of me, the unknown, mm. that did not work for me. Everything needed to be known and controlled. And so I walked into um, motherhood with this very, very firm opinion of myself that I was in charge of fucking everything. And I knew where everything was. I knew where everything went. I knew it, uh, how everything worked. And I would be very happy to tell you what exactly I thought about it. And I was, I was a strong, independent woman. I felt confident in my job. I was making things happen. I was changing lives. I was, you know, doing all the things I needed to do in my head. Such that when I did... Um, you know, and I'll talk about what it was like to, to, to have Addie, but I remember being on maternity leave and being excited at hearing from my staff that the person replacing me couldn't do it and she couldn't cut it. And I was like, well, that's because nobody does it like I do it. Nobody fucking can be me. Um, and it, I mean, that was just one little moment. So uh, I we got pregnant a little bit later in life. So I was 35 when I had um, my first child. And, and I walked, like I said, I walked into that pregnancy, like I could fucking do anything. And not only that, I will do everything. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we were, we're going to do the cloth diapers. We're going to make all our own food. Um, we're going to just make it all work. And, um, and I'm going to continue to do all the things like, oh, I don't know, write my thesis for my master's. I'll do that while I'm on maternity. I think I'll be able to squeeze that in. And all the while having zero concept that for my entire life, I have been suffering from severe anxiety. Didn't, it was never labeled. It was never addressed. Nobody even fucking asked me about it because why would you think for one second that I didn't have my shit together? Because I always have my, not only do I have my shit together, I got everybody else's shit together, including my mother and my brother and my father and anybody else in my world who decided to show up. And so I'm like, add in this one more person. She's small. What could she possibly do? Please. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. So that first year, um, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there are moms out there who can agree with me that you get the children not that just that you need, but the ones who challenge you in ways so that you can expand and grow and step into what you were meant to do. So it takes time, usually five to seven years. Um, but that's how I feel looking back on that first year with, with Addie. Um, I just I broke wide, wide open. Um, and again, not really acknowledging that there was anything wrong with crying for mm -hmm. hours while I you know, she's in the jolly jumper and I'm lying on the floor as a puddle or, um, I mean, the list goes on of things that happened. And mm -hmm. the sort of breaking point was I went back to work. Oh my God. So excited. 
so excited to go back to work, to back to my life, back when I was in charge and I had all the power again and I knew where everything went and my desk would be clean and nobody, everybody knew that I had it together there. And, and I worked at a school, an adult school, and I went back in um, August to um, get a couple weeks in before the students came back. And the students all come back in September. By mid-September, maybe third week of September, I, I, I was losing my shit. So it was a very heavy year. Uh, and what I mean by that is there was a lot of mental health issues that seemed to be popping up in, in my small school. And I remember my vice principal, he came into my office and, and I said to him like, oh my God, if one more fucking person comes in here and starts talking about suicide, like and uh, how it's impacting them, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna fucking lose my shit. Like, I, this is too much. And he just very calmly was like, well, you know, Dion and this, and we have the resources and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, fuck you, fuck you. And I just started screaming at him, my vice principal. Yeah. And at crying, gone. I don't even really, re I remember it starting, but I don't remember much in the middle. I do remember that he stood up and said, this isn't about me. Why don't you take some time? Make a couple of those calls. There are resources like you do just, I'm going to go. <laughs> yeah. And um, I'm so grateful because clearly he had every right to fire me on the spot, <laughs> um, but he didn't. And so I made a call right then to um, the mental health services in our community. I was able to be in touch with a woman who um, supports women through postpartum, but more importantly, through women who have um, not so healthy coping strategies through postpartum. So through drugs and alcohol and, um, and it's called the umbrellas program. And I'm so grateful because I was coping with alcohol and that was how I was. And what I look back now and go, that's always been what I kind of do for my anxiety is to try to make that go away. And it had just perpetuated and got worse. So fortunately, I, um, she took my call right there. I closed the curtains, lied on the floor and cried for a couple hours with her on the phone. And, um, and then for this next six to eight months, I just went and saw her continuously until I started to unpack um, everything that was going on. And most importantly, what I had uncovered was I didn't know who I was because I was no longer, I could no longer use my tried, tested, and true self-identifiers. I'm like, I'm the one who has it all fucking together and I take care of everything because here I was, I don't know what it means to be a mom. I don't know what it means to be messy. I don't know what it means to fall apart. Um, this was all very new. And um, so that was really the beginning. So again, not overly inspiring, but uh, definitely something that needed to happen. So I was doing my master's and I, although I didn't do any part of my thesis in that year that I was on maternity because I couldn't even read two sentences of a book, let alone sit down and write an entire thesis. Um, but what I did do was start to make those shifts and start to think about what it would be like to be happy. And uh, the, it was very early days. Actually, I remember um, it, the interweb, I call it that because it didn't even feel like at all what we use now, but I came across something by this woman named Brene Brown. And I remember at that time, it was like 2011, being like, oh my God, what is she saying? Like, it was just, 
holy shit. And I, it wasn't even one of her books. It was just something that she had written. And then no big shock that she made her way back into my life in many ways um, and was a big part of, of me uncovering a bit more of myself. So that's, that's what started me on the journey, which was a breakdown, which then was followed right. by a couple of other breakdowns. So, <laughs> yes. So you brought up Brene and I know that she has um, some interesting um, research around anxiety. And I know that that was a big thing for me when I learned, because I believe she, she says that you handle anxiety in one of two ways, either you become an overachiever or you just completely shut down and, and do nothing. Mm. <laughs> so um, learning that there are two different sides of two anxiety that you either go into complete overdrive, overdo over everything for everybody and just completely ignore yourself or you shut down. Knowing that you are the former, how did you then you know, turn your razor sharp way of knowing exactly what's going on? How did you turn that inward to figure out where you needed to go next? And that's a great question. I, um, it came after a few more breakthroughs <laughs> and uh, Lucy was born. I had another sort of bout of postpartum fuck. And then I was scheduled to have a hysterectomy, which was what needed to happen. And, and, and that was all well and good. Where the transition really occurred is in that time that I had off. And I had decided right before that, after having this interesting uh, conversation with my boss, um, so I had felt that I was not being treated fairly and booked a call with her, it took her three months for me to get in front of her. And I said, I feel like, you know, you're centering me out and, and I'm, and you're really, um, you know, you don't respect me. And she's like, yeah, I don't. And I never trust what you're going to say. Um, and so I always try to cut you off before you keep going. And it was like a week later that I was going on leave and I was like, I need to do something with this. And what I really started to understand after I, I dove into um, a couple of resources that were recommended by a friend, one of them was the success principles by Jack Canfield. Um, and I was like, I need to fucking, I need to do something. And I need to realize that I'm the only one that can do something okay, yeah, that conversation with my boss just, that sucked ass and it destroyed me. Mm -hmm. And what am I going to do about it? So I took, I was off for seven weeks, almost eight weeks. And I took that time to just like figure out how to take responsibility for my own life and how to, for the first time in my life, ask myself what I wanted and how I wanted to be and what did I want to do more of? Like all of these questions started to come up. So, um, you know, that book that it, it, was a, it was a great way for me to, to sort of jump into this idea of, of um, self-improvement. I didn't even know what that was because again, I was fucking in charge of everything. What do I need to improve upon? I am clearly great. Um, and that's where the work started. And one of the, the turning points for me was I started to listen to podcasts. And of course, podcasts are extremely popular. And then they were popular. This is going back to 2015. And I got hooked, like hooked on a podcast for creative entrepreneurs. Binge listen to this. So the woman already had like 150 episodes and I was listening to one a day with a notebook and just dove in, which I found fascinating when I sat there and we're like, 
I'm not creative, nor am I an entrepreneur. Yet I couldn't, I was like bathing in these interviews, just soaking it in. Anyway, so that's. Was that Tiffany Hahn? It was. Yes. So the yeah, Tiffany just, Hahn. For the foreign listeners, I thought they might want to know. <laughs> yes. Um, so it, she still has a fantastic podcast. Um, and it was this monumental shift. I was introduced to thoughts I had never thought before, perspectives I had never even considered, resources. I was buying books. I was reading things. I was um, researching these amazing creative people and how they were like living joyfully and productively and profitably. And I'm like, holy shit. Um, and it started, it, it, it really opened up something for me. And again, at the time I was like, I didn't question that I was listening to this because it just felt so right. But every once in a while, I'd be like, that's interesting because I'll have a business and I can't even dress stick men. So there you go. And then, um, yeah. And then it wasn't long after that. It was like in the fall that due to that literally like being this, it was like a reprogramming. And I, I, um, decided to get an Instagram account because I was feeling overwhelmed by Facebook, which sounds a little counterproductive, but I needed to disconnect from, you know, just seeing what everybody else was doing and go and be selective about what it is that I wanted to see. So I filled my feed with art, 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 art. And then I just decided one day, I'm like, you know what? I'm an artist. Still never made art, I'd never done anything, just decided I was going to be an artist one day and then challenged myself to create art that felt right for me. And that's where all my hand lettering came from and the sketch work and the watercolor and the, it, I, I challenged myself to create something. So I started um, in those early days of the success principles, I started getting up at 4.35 o'clock every morning and it got to the point where I was making 10 to 12 pieces of art every morning and posting them on Instagram. And you can scroll back on my Instagram feed all the way back to thousand posts ago and see how much of a beginner I really was because that it was a thing. Um, but that is, I think, really the, the magic that took place was this something I was taking ownership of and I was taking responsibility for what I was choosing to do. And I was choosing mm -hmm. to learn how to be messy and how to fuck up and feel okay about it. So I was practicing. Yeah doing this work and seeing it and being like, huh, interesting. And then feeling it and coming back to it and like watching myself grow in more ways than one. Um, and then from there came. Right. Because that would have been huge for you because knowing you, as I do your whole life, you were the utmost perfectionist. Like you had to have like a plus student 90, whatever, you know, first in our class, like it was, it was a thing. So for you to be yeah. doing something and, and proclaiming, I am now an artist, knowing that you sucked at it at first, like that, that was huge for you. Yeah, it was. So what what went through? What was what were the changes? What changes took place in your head for you to be able to embrace that? Um, I think it was the evidence that like, and what I mean by that, it was I was seeing myself create things and feeling so alive in the process, and you know, 
you hear people say, you know, what is it that you, you know, you could do and you lose all track of time. Well, this was it. Like I'd have to set an alarm to remember to go and like go to work because I would get so just consumed by the, the stuff that I was doing. It's just so in love with it. Um, I had set up a little art station in my kitchen because again, I still had children, very small children, an infant and a toddler. And, um, and I'm like, okay, these are mummies markers. <laughs> this is mummy's paper. And this is the stuff that I get to play with. Um, and when those shifts started to happen, it, the, the, the biggest, the biggest, I remember this moment vividly. So I was off for those eight weeks and, um, and I made this decision to put myself first and to no longer allow what other people were doing to determine how I was going to feel. Now that's still a work in progress. It wasn't a perfect, like now, now we're good. Um, but I made this shift and in the, the winter of that year. So I decided I was an artist in the fall. And in the winter, we had this um, staff meeting and it was in these staff meetings that I used to feel the smallest and the most, um, you know, where my boss at the time would, I, I felt like I was being belittled and, and squashed. And so we had one of these staff meetings and it happened and it went by. And then um, I went out for lunch with a few of the other people in, in the group. And one of them was like, what happened? You are a completely different person. And she's like, you didn't flinch when boss lady said such and such. I'm like, she can do whatever she wants. I, I don't have to take ownership of that. Like, I'm good. I know what I'm doing. And I had already decided at that point that um, I would be leaving. So I wrote down in my art way, hand lettered this thing that said June 30th, 2018. And um, so this is, we're talking like 2016, I did this. I'm like, I will be leaving, I will be gone. That's my day of, that's my freedom day. And I put it away and I don't even know where it is now. Like it disappeared with the thousands of pieces of art that I was creating. Um, but on June 30th, 2018, unbeknownst to me, the same boss sent an email out saying that um, all the things that I had been working towards were no longer mine and that I would be transferred into a different position that I didn't want. And I decided on that moment, I was just going to quit on the spot. So that was my freedom day. I was given sort of this ticket on the day that I had decided upon two years before um, that I would be free. And I have not looked back. It's been pretty fucking fantastic. <laughs> Amazing. Um, yes. And I, and I do remember that. And I remember, um, because I was still stuck in the should of doing the job that I should be doing. So I thought you were crazy because you had like this amazing, amazing on paper position, full pension, full benefits, full everything. And it, it was just completely unheard of to me and to numerous people in your world to do that. So so what gave you the courage to actually manifest that, to actually put that out there and just be like, yeah, fuck this. <laughs> well, if, making the, the piece of paper in two years before, that was just like, mm, I'm going to do it. It's going to be great. But really it was right. the knowledge that I had gained um, over the years. Uh, you know, I, In the back of my mind, I knew this wasn't where I was supposed to be and I was making things work, but I was really executing this sort of very long-term exit strategy. And what was, I think the most mm. important part was I was doing 
the work. I was, I had coaches, I had people in my world. I was also putting myself out in a way that I felt really honored who I was. I had started a blog. Um, I was being really honest and really raw and really open. And one of the things which, you know, is a reason why I talk about values so much is I really connected to what my values were and what became very clear. Yes, I had a crappy boss and that's fine. And, but she's not the reason I left. The reason that I needed to leave was because the values that I felt really connected to that I had for most of my life, not paid much attention to were not in alignment with the values of the organization that I worked for. And the organization I worked for has its own set of values and they're lovely, but they didn't, they didn't play out um, and connect with what I felt was important and how I wanted to show up for people. Um, and as a result, I was negating all of these great skills that I had been acquiring over a lifetime. This right. in that, what we had talked about earlier, about this ability to sort of see, like I had this great affinity for getting someone in front of me and all of a sudden they leave. And even if it was a shitty situation, like we were, we had, we were solid and we had a plan and there was things that could be done. And I spent a lot of time having like hang out by the water cooler one-on-one -on -one conversations with, with other staff, just feeling lit up by this opportunity mm -hmm. to just have a meeting of the minds and, and talk about um, how I saw things and what I was thinking about for their experiences and, you know, and the learning and um, such that when I did decide to leave, many of the people that I did work with, they were like hundred percent, that's what you're supposed to be doing because that's what you do. And it was a gift right. that I had been ignoring because it didn't match the system I was working in. That system didn't, wasn't honoring personal gifts and looking at mm -hmm. the work that, that was transpiring there. It was moving to the online world, which of course now, I mean, that's a whole other thing, but right. it was really that work that I did to get clear on my values and then stand with them and make decisions right. from there. Well, and how beautiful, because um, I know that early in your life, your goal was to be a teacher. Mm -hmm. So here you are doing exactly that from your values, from your heart and teaching people, you know, not what two plus two is, but what, what they need in their world to light themselves up so they can show up and be present for themselves, for their lives and to make their world and our world a better place. So Brilliant. So with, with all of these things that have brought you to this, this place, this moment in time, what, uh, what's next? What's the next part of your story? <laughs> um, this year has been a, like a, an unbelievable year for me as far as alignment and execution goes. Um, the podcast originated um, and it's been June 1st will be our one year anniversary, um, which is very exciting. And the Awesomeness Academy has, uh, I've developed that and it's flourishing. And right now, uh, coming up uh, in the next couple of weeks, I get to, I get to, I get to uh, host an amazing group called the Awesome Inner Circle, which I'm very excited about. Leanne will be uh, co-facilitating that group with us. So this is, for me, this is the culmination of what I meant to do. I am all about community and connection and in our work together, building circles and making uh, creating and holding space. So this will be an opportunity for women who are really looking to make their happiness a priority and to build a habit of putting themselves first, to come into a, a safe 
container where they can do that work, which you and I have both done. And um, so there will be gatherings and there will be opportunities for learning and there will be one-on-one um, -on -one coaching. There will be full-on support. It, it's literally like everything I've ever done and been lit up by into one beautiful space. So that is starting on April 15th. And um, I'm, I know I will be continuing this uh, year after year. So if anybody's interested in learning more about that, I would love, love, love to have that chat because um, I'm just so fucking excited about it. <laughs> yes, yes. And that was, that was a download that happened recently. Yeah. Quite recently. Yeah. And Very that's, cool. that's the other thing. Um, you know, if there was one thing I could share, which of course I, I often ask people, what's the one piece is, um, is to do the, before all the things or, or while you're doing all the things to, to unpack and uncover is to focus on building that trusting relationship with yourself mm. because of that work that I had done to build a sense of accountability and reliability within myself, knowing that if I put something out into the world, I could trust that I would follow through with it. Um, because in my early days, I didn't actually trust myself, which is why I felt the need to control things like crazy. And so what I have uncovered in the past little while is I get these, these, we'll call them downloads, but these moments where I'm like, that's the thing. And I trust that because I feel so strongly about it, it is meant to be. And then I just, and then it just is. So the 100 women on fire event, that that's the first time that I was like, I'm going to make this thing. And I never second guessed it. And it turned out to be awesome. It's still awesome. And the next one's in October, going to be awesome again. Um, but the academy, the podcast, everything that has just felt so right and so aligned just flows through me. And because I trust myself enough, I allow it. And that has made all the difference. So that would be my, my words of wisdom is to work on building that trusting relationship within. And then you'll learn how to hear what is meant for you. And when you execute, it feels like there's ease and flow. Not necessarily easy. It's all, there's work and it's effort and all of those things, but ease and flow makes all the difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it doesn't have to be hard. No. no. <laughs> oh, that was a good one. That was definitely, that was the first limiting belief that um, our friend Casey, uh, mm -hmm. she had brought up in my mind. She's like, so how hard does it have to be? And I was like, Oh, <laughs> right. Okay. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, here we go. <laughs> being, being hard doesn't make it meaningful. No. Right. No. <laughs> oh, Leanne, thank you. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. Um, I feel, I feel excited and the, I know that the more light we shine on all the voices, um, the more power we have as a community to lift each other up. And I'm, I'm grateful that you are my best friend and that you are here with me as I shared my story. So thank you so much. Thank you for letting me part of it. Yay. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. And thank you everybody uh, for listening. And um, I would love to see you pop over to find me on Facebook. We are the Busy Women Being Awesome Club. It is our super fun group. So if you're interested in carrying on this conversation on learning more or chatting with me directly, then pop over there and check us out. So thank you very much, everybody. Have a great day. 
Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the show. Join Dion again next week to learn more about what you can do to go from hot mess to awesomeness. <laughs>